everyone. My name is Aspen Dietzik. Welcome back to another podcast with Forestry Talks, a podcast powered by the Alberta Forest Products Association. I am super excited to be joined today by Jason Fisher. Jason, can you remember what your title is? <laughs> I'm a partner of advisory services at MNP, uh, working in the forestry niche. Yes, fantastic. And you had a history working with the forest industry previously, which is how we first met. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I mean, I got my forestry degree back in, uh, in 1999. I can believe that was a, a time. Um, and I, I worked for uh, Dunkley Lumber um, mm-hmm. for a while after school. I, I went and got my law degree after that and, oh, wow. and practiced law mostly with forestry clients, um, with a, a firm called uh, Davison Company, now called DLA Piper. Mm-hmm. And then I went in-house back with Dunkley Lumber and uh, served as their vice president for, for six years. And uh, I started to get to know Alberta Forest Products Association at that point in time. Um, I left Dunkley Lumber and went to government, served as uh, Associate Deputy Minister of Forests and Range and Lands and Natural Resource Operations and Rural Development. Flynn Roard was the, the uh, mouthful of an acronym that we had at that point in time. Um, <laughs> And uh, worked on on issues like softwood lumber, mm-hmm. uh, on tenures, on uh, pricing, and uh, and left there to work with uh, Pinnacle Renewable Energy. And that's actually when yes. I I joined the board of uh, of AFPA for a time when I was with Pinnacle as their their VP of Sustainability. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And then so you know starting out in the forestry side of things, and and you are a registered professional forester. That, that's I correct. Am. Yeah, yeah. So in BC, in BC. Okay. Oh, important distinction. Yeah. <laughs> so a registered professional forester, and then moving into the legal side forestry, government, forestry, and then now (laughs) consulting. What has that journey been like for you? What's kind of driven you to explore those different fields? Well, I think explore is the right word. I mean, I think that the amazing thing about forestry is just how interconnected all the issues are Mm -hmm. um, and and how pervasive it is across the landscape. Everybody has uh, a view of forests. Everybody has Mm -hmm. an experience of forests. Everybody has a a forest that's meaningful to them and and everybody interacts with forests in, in a different way. Um, and when you're, you know, whether you're inside government or whether you're inside yeah. industry, um, there's there's a perspective that you take on it for sure. But the the real key is being able to see from different perspectives. And I've been fortunate enough in in my career um, to to get multiple views of the forest. I I sometimes joke that I'm like the the Joni Mitchell song. You know, I've, I've seen the the forest from both sides now. But Joni finishes that she never really knew them at all. I hope I know them a little bit. <laughs> And I, I, I think so. Well, thank you. <laughs> and I hope I get to help my clients know them better as well. And so, yeah. you know, now in this consulting role, uh, I really do think I've, I've got a, an amazing job where I essentially get paid to talk to people I really like and help them solve problems. It mm-hmm. doesn't get much better than that. But the the problems that we solve in forestry are mostly wicked problems. There, yeah. there are always puts and takes. There are always uh, different views. And we can't both... Um, preserve the things that people want preserved and use the things that people want to use mm-hmm. um, at the same time or right. you know, manage for everything on on every every hectare or with every cubic meter. So we're we're always trying to um, make sure that we're we're using great science, but it goes beyond the science. It really goes to um, the emotional side, the relationships that people have with forests and the relationships that they want to have with forests going into the future mm-hmm. and the relationships that they have with each other. So that's yeah. uh, 
that's the exciting part of it for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to talk about the consulting piece in a little bit. But first, I want to talk about, you know, some of your experience on the forestry side. Mm -hmm. You had some experience working in maybe different parts of the value chain. Mm -hmm. What was something that was maybe really interesting for you to observe in that, you know, transition? You talked about the how connected the sector is. Yeah. What are some of the observations that you had in those different roles in forestry? I think one of the things that, that strikes me the most is that even though we, forestry is an innovative sector, and if you go on to the manufacturing side, that we talk about new products all the time, we're, we're doing mass timber, we're mm-hmm. working with nanocrystalline cellulose, we do um, you know, real-time digital grading on lumber as they go through these high-speed mills. But the relationship between forestry and the land, you know, practices have improved. Mm-hmm. But the processes and the way that we actually engage with the land haven't really changed all that much. And they're still primarily based on um, that primary entry into the forest to get the log to create value from the log. Mm-hmm. And now we're starting to see that there's more values that can be um, supported from the land at the same point in time. But we don't. the processes haven't necessarily caught up to, to uh, enable us to do that in, in an efficient way. Uh, you know, a great example is that there's the the waste that gets left from harvesting in mm-hmm. in the forest, and, and and so much of that now, so much more than it has ever gone uh, before, is being taken out of the forest and going into bioenergy, uh, pellet manufacturing, mm-hmm. and the like. But uh, we haven't taken that next step of finding the efficiencies that say, well, what's the way that we could design um, those blocks, not just primarily for the, the, the lumber sector for the primary uh, manufacturing sector, but how could we design blocks for um, that and biomass right. so that we're thinking about uh, creating efficiencies and maximizing value across the whole um, opportunity that exists with uh, you know with, with each tree harvested. Mm-hmm. And I think we're, we're starting to think more about that. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, and I'm not expecting you to maybe have a, a sweeping declaration about how that could occur. But do you have some sense of, you know, what are some steps that companies could take to explore those opportunities? You know, utilization is really important to everybody in the industry. And we talk all the time about how sustainability is at the heart of everything that we do. So looking to continue to build on that culture of continuous improvement that we have in the industry, what might some of those opportunities look like? Well, I think when we, we, we can't just stop with the, with that utilization piece. I think that as, as foresters, as, as forest products company, mm-hmm. um, we're going to have to be able to not just say, but to demonstrate um, that we're leaving forests in, in better shape than, than, we found them in. Yeah. Um, and I know that there's there's probably uh, some people who would scoff at me at me saying that, uh, people who would point to, to clear cuts and the like. And mm-hmm. um, it, it's not that they don't have valid points. Every forest is different. The situation is different. But I think that we are going to have to say, um, let's take a look at how our practices are leaving the, the overall landscape more resilient over yeah. a longer period of time. And I think that's really critical um, in this time of, of climate change. You know, we're, we're we're starting to see it with the, the, the forest fires that we've experienced in, in both BC and Alberta. Um, they're not about to, to stop on their own. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's interesting because when you look at um, the forests out on the landscape, you know, we actually have uh, higher densities of, of forest than we have in, in the previous points in history, partly because of the way that we've managed fire over the last yeah. century. Um, but then if you're, you're into a, uh, 
a drought situation, um, you've got stressed trees, and then you get a beetle outbreak, and then you've got dead trees, and then you've got the making for catastrophic fires. And it's not that any of those things aren't part of the natural system. The question mm -hmm. is, do we want to leave that natural system to happen the way that it's going to happen? Or is there a role that we can play in um, you know, ensuring that the, the lands aren't, the, the, the catastrophic fires don't result in situations that are mm -hmm. worse for people, worse for wildlife, worse for water, and uh, and don't actually achieve any of those values that we want to achieve mm -hmm. on the land base. So it's it's going to get more complicated before it gets easier. Always does. Yeah, <laughs> and it's going to require a, a, a lot more um, a lot more conversations and uh, I think a lot more education about what those puts and takes are and what the you know what the options are and what the opportunities are. And mm -hmm. uh, it's going to call on on all of us as as foresters on on both sides of the provincial border and elsewhere to, mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we can't rely on other people to speak for us. We're going to have to talk about what we're doing and why. Um, we always have to justify it to ourselves, the decisions that we make in connection to forest management. And I think we need to do a better job of explaining that to the public and, and being um, confident enough to, to face that scrutiny as well. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why I'm glad you're here so we can talk about it. <laughs> Um, you know, I think it's a really uh, interesting and important comment that you shared about how, you know, sometimes we do hear or we experience those comments from people suggesting that, you know, letting nature do its thing. And um, I think what people sometimes forget is, well, that's not happening because we have communities that need to be protected. We've seen some really devastating wildfires that have occurred in the province. And if we were to just let Mother Nature do its thing, those communities would be devastated. Yeah. And so you have to acknowledge that in place of that um, forest reset, that natural occurrence that of the forest disturbance, renewing, allowing a new young forest to come up, there has to be another mechanism in place to allow for that growth to occur without putting our communities at risk. And you made a comment earlier about how there's almost these two competing priorities how do we use this resource but then also it's really important to have healthy forests and it's really important to have a healthy planet and from my perspective and I mean I'm biased I work in industry but I really see opportunities for those two what would be considered competing interests to work together and how we can have working forests that enable us to have healthy forests and yeah. a healthy planets yeah I agree and and uh and a healthy economy and um you know support values that that we all believe in you know there's a American author, I can't remember his name, but the quote is that you know, nature is beautiful, but it isn't always pretty. Um, and maybe I'd put it another way to say that I, I think we all we all care um, very much about the forests, but forests don't necessarily care about us or, or what our <laughs> our agenda is or what our ide ideals are. And so, how do we how do we come up? How do we be as creative as possible dealing with these wicked problems. Because if mm -hmm. we do just say, you know, let let nature take its course or let's, you know, harvesting is bad, let, let's stop doing that. Well, what what alternatives does that push us into? Mm -hmm. um, are we happier with uh, with with leaving construction to steel and, and concrete? Does that does that create a better right. world overall? Or do we recognize that we have this, you know, amazing solar powered building material mm -hmm. that also acts as a, a you know a carbon sponge and also acts as a, mm -hmm. a a battery and and it can be used in so many different ways and is uh and is beautiful and is um you know connected to our history and connected to our art and our culture and and you know and not just ours but all the people mm -hmm. um, on turtle island here um who who care so much about the forest yeah 
Yeah, and and uh, I think that's a really great um, segue to bring us into you know your experience working on the consulting side of things. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I mean it's 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 been great so far. It hasn't yeah. hasn't been such a long time, but it, I, a lot of my work is uh, you know related to what I like to call you know forestry 2.0, especially in British Columbia. Yeah. We're we're on this precipice of big change, uh, particularly as it relates to. Uh, First Nations rights and title, mm-hmm. and then again on on the um, more of an ecosystem based approach to to management. I think that those are the two um, big winds of change, um, positive winds of change. I mean, we got the literal winds of change coming from climate change, uh, sometimes making a, a mess of our best laid plans. Um, but I feel like I get to work in that uh, really interesting space that exists between. Uh, government and First Nations and and the forest sector, as it is to say today, to say you know where how can we all operate differently uh, to achieve a different set of objectives and um, support a common set of values in the future. Mm-hmm. And you know, in, in a lot of cases, that's increasing the opportunities for participation by First Nations, not just in the you know the, the hewing of wood, but but in in manufacturing. Um, I just finished working on a on a project um, where we were looking at uh, at companies, uh, First Nations companies engaged in some aspect of of forest management or forest product development or forest services in British Columbia, um, and and there were over two hundred and forty companies that that kind of were in that space. Wow, um, they're all in there in a different way, but you know that to me says that there is a a really strong foundation to build off of and probably lots of opportunities for um finding finding uh, joint joint opportunities partnerships mm-hmm. um different ways of doing things uh, different supplies uh i was talking to to one nation that was looking at putting in a a mill specifically to deal with just the butt ends of dug fur that are, are currently you know being ground up because they can't be run through a sawmill because they've, mm-hmm. they've got a pistol uh, butt on them and you know cutting those into slabs and selling them to furniture makers at a, at a really good margin and uh, it doesn't have to be big business uh, there's the, the beautiful thing is there's these niches for all these different mm-hmm. players to come in to to find a, a space where um, maybe it's too small an opportunity for a for a big company to take mm-hmm. take advantage of, but where a smaller, uh, more agile company can come in and, and do something different. So mm-hmm. uh, those are the things that, that really give me hope and get me excited to go to work every morning. Yeah, I mean that's really really cool. And and uh, speaking about that whole idea of forestry 2.0, to to use your term, um, looking at how there's some connections there between those partnerships with Indigenous communities and then also continuing to advance sustainability and continuing to advance, you know, using every part of the tree and putting it to good use. So mm-hmm. I think that's really, really cool. Um, I would love to know what uh, what motivated you or what made you kind of interested in being a part of this and making that career change? I think it's it's a, a case of getting to a point in... in in my career where that, that I'm really driven by this, this need to try and give back, to try and do something mm-hmm. um, that's good to like, you know, take maybe the, the tricks and the tips and the relationships and uh, the perspectives that I brought and, and just try and convince people to, you know, shift their perspective just a little bit, just bring a different, different view into, into things. Um, you know, I, I truly believe that, that forestry provides uh, some some solutions to some really thorny problems. I, mm-hmm. I I do believe that there is a common ground 
that can be found uh, between First Nations that that uh, that care uh, about resources and make decisions with uh, seven generations in mind. Yeah, and and you know forestry opportunities that are um, extend out over time and with with care and management can you know have this near infinite uh, possibility in front of them. Uh, I, I I was thinking that the uh, you know mining jobs. Um, other other type of infrastructure jobs tend to talk about person years of em employment in mm -hmm. relation to it, and those are always finite numbers. But when you think about it, forestry offers an infinite uh, number of, of person years because mm -hmm. it is a truly renewable, sustainable right. resource. Solar time. powered. Yeah, solar powered. <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. Um, Jason, you were sharing with me yesterday that you consider yourself an ally of Indigenous communities. Can you tell me what that means? Well, I mean, I, I don't feel like that's a, a title that I can take to take myself. It's certainly what I aspire to be. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that really is about um, making sure that we're having conversations with people and not about people. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, a great saying that I think came from um, the, the, the disability uh, advocates who talk, you know, say nothing about us without nothing us. Without us yeah. And I and I feel like we still still do too much of that. So um, what I want to try and do as much as possible is uh, create opportunities for um, in, Indigenous communities to, to speak for themselves, to have real uh, participation. And where I'm called on to 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 be very careful about whether I'm speaking on anyone's behalf, yeah. um, and whether I should be doing that without uh, without first checking in. But I. I do also feel um, that change is scary, and uh, we can we can create all sorts of barriers to change about things being too hard or you know or too scary or the consequences might be dire. Um, but mostly, what we just need to do is take a step in the right direction. It start, it, almost everything starts with a conversation. Mm -hmm. Almost everything starts with a with building a relationship. Uh, almost everything starts with curiosity. Mm -hmm. and, and if we can, you know, to borrow the, the Ted Lasso line, move from move from uh, judgment to curiosity about things um, and, and be less sure about the outcomes and more open to finding out about what the outcomes could mm -hmm. be. Um, I think that that spot of curiosity is where we can we can be allies. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And, and uh, you know, maybe a way that we can look at what kind of corporate paradigm shift or or shift in mindset might be required looking forward and to how we can start to build those relationships um you know something that i'm curious to know what your perspective is on is um relationships really start on a foundation of trust and of course there's a history of really fractured trust in a lot of these relationships working with indigenous communities what are some steps maybe from a practical perspective that companies can take if they're interested in pursuing partnerships with Indigenous communities and, and to really build that trust? You know, I would say that, um, you know, there, there are, it, it, all, it, it all does start with that conversation. So like, are you, are you willing to go out to a, to a community and, and talk and, and not have an agenda? Mm -hmm. um, you know, leave, leave all your, your maps and your presentations in, in the, in the car and come in for a cup of coffee and maybe yeah. it's just a cup of coffee to start and maybe it's going to take you know months but that's that's where trust and relationships come from is from putting time in from from sitting across the table with with each other i trust you way more now than i did before i thought you were <laughs> you know, a little little shady but I'm, I'm feeling much better about oh, our good. relationship now yeah <laughs> 
I'm so so glad to hear that. <laughs> and I, and that, that really is where it starts. And you know, when I when I hear people who have been, been successful, it's a, it's been the, the people who are willing to set their agenda aside mm-hmm. and and really listen and really think about co-development as opposed to you know presenting an opportunity, um, and and recognizing that what I'm telling you might be completely wrong in some context because um, like everyone else, you know, First Nations are, they're all different from each other. They have a different relationship mm-hmm. with the land. They have different governance. They have different histories. And unless you're curious about finding that out, um, you know, you're going to make some assumptions that, that could steer you wrong. So, so mm-hmm. come in, prepare to be, um, you know, wowed by, by the, the, the generosity, uh, yeah. prepared to be, um, you know, heartbroken by some of the experiences, uh, prepared to um, create relationships that are going to become, you know, more important than any any business to business opportunity ever would be. That are mm-hmm. that are really about, um, you know, what can we do together to to make, you know, the world better, to make this part of our world the better that we share together. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Um, in your role as a consultant with MNP, are you seeing some positive examples of these relationships and, and partnerships here in Alberta? Uh, in Alberta, it's starting. I'm, I'm seeing a lot more um, interest. You know, I think it's one of the trickies um, in this in this field is that, that there's not there's not never just two dance partners. There's always mm-hmm. there's always the provincial government and the federal government that are involved in, in things as well. And so, um, you know, the, we're going to have to get to a point where we we kind of take a look at all the dance steps and figure out whether we're going to, you know, whether we're going to keep doing the waltz all, all the time or whether we're going to find a new way to to exist together um, and make decisions together that are that are going to support uh, these relationships over time. Um, but I, I do see a lot of, of interest in in learning and a lot of um, a lot of exploration. And, and I definitely know that, there, you know, there are some some parties out there that have come a long way um, and have some really strong relationships. So it, it gives me hope. It, it, yeah. yeah, it's a forest comes from a, a single seedling sometimes. Mm-hmm. But it's sure going to grow. It's sure going to grow. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Jason, what has maybe been one of the most surprising or, or impactful things that you've learned in your journey so far? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> Tough question. Yeah, I know. Uh, you know th- there's lots of things. I think the most impactful thing for me is that um, there's always someone to learn from. Mm-hmm. No matter what you think you know, you don't, you don't know it all. Um, that um, it's not enough to say that you have values, that you have to live them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for me, that was uh, experiencing a real low point in my life and, and knowing that um, I had made you know what I what was really important to me was as being a, a father and a and a husband first, and then mm-hmm. figuring out how that was going to to um, you know I, I still want to have an interesting career. I still want to have a career yeah. where I help people, um, but I'm not I'm not willing to have that at any cost. And that was that was really important for me to recognize as well. Um, I yeah it, it's it's a really good question and i you know I, I can't think of just one because there's so many different aspects of my life where where this has touched me um i've made some of of my best friends in the world through forestry i've uh i've learned so much through forestry i i met my wife through forestry <laughs> i've uh, i've been in the, some of the most beautiful places that i've ever ever seen uh through forestry and uh it's a uh, i'm glad i'm not done yet because there's yeah. lots more to do 
Okay, well, Jason, this has been really fabulous. Thank you for joining me for this. Um, in, in case there's uh, anyone who wants to get a hold of you to ask some more questions or learn a little bit more about what you do or how they can be involved, how can they get in touch? Sure. My, my uh, email is jason.fisher at mnp.ca. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Jason Fisher. And uh, yeah, I, at, on the MNP website as well. So I'd, I'd appreciate any questions or uh, other conversations that this might start. Great. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jason. Thank you. <laughs>